are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. I heard a comedian say, the male contribution to human life is appalling. Let's be honest. The miracle of birth has very little to do with the Father. There's a very good reason that Mother's Day is more prominent than Father's Day. Mothers are powerful. They are superheroes. They have abilities that are superhuman. Actress Sophia Loren said, a mother has to think twice, once for herself and once for her child. I would add, at times, for her husband as well. In John chapter 16, 21, it's, Jesus said, a woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. That is supernatural. How you could forget something like that. Men could not handle a week of pregnancy, let alone nine months. Man had to have supernatural intervention and had to be put to sleep to bring a woman into the world. God decided after that, it's probably better for women to take over that job. Men's tolerance for pain and discomfort is pretty low. Just consider how ill-equipped we are even when the baby arrives into the world. Fathers can be helpless, again, offering very little to the process. Struggling even with the smallest detail of assistance. When Emma was born as a young father, I can remember realizing how unprepared and ill-equipped I was to help. Clearly, biologically, we are nearly useless. However, consider our attempts to offer the slightest assistance of even changing diapers. This is tragic. We are helpless. Our sense of smell goes into hyperdrive. We start overthinking everything. We break into a cold sweat, and our gag reflexes become overactive. Just YouTube dad changing diapers on, uh, just YouTube that, dad changing diapers. It's not a, a good look for us dads. My mother was powerful growing up. She's the mother of three kids, a daughter, a son, and then a baby son. And I am referred to to this day as baby Tom. She, has, she was incredibly nurturing in my growing up years, always looking for ways to provide care to all of us. She is only five foot tall, but you don't mess with mom. She was the first line of defense in the discipline chain of command, and man, was she good at that. 
She was not afraid of any of us. Those who grew up in church where there wasn't a children's ministry during the service can probably remember the trips out of service by a mom who was taking care of business. However, mom was also protective, supportive, and taught me the value of organization, the beauty of creativity, and the love of nature. Most of all, I thank my mother for her spiritual influence as a teacher of God's word to me and her constant prayers that are felt every day of my life. And when I consider the amazing moms that I know in my life, I want to offer this simple thought today, mother knows best. Karen White said, being a mother is like being a gardener of souls. You tend your children, make sure the light always touches them, you nourish them, you sow your seeds and reap what you sow. Motherhood is what makes possible the enduring essence of life. Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. We celebrate motherhood today, but we realize that motherhood is not just about today, but has such a multi-generational effect. It has such far-reaching power. Mother, mothers begin a series of events when they bring a child into the world that literally changes the world. To bring a child into the world is to bring the most powerful potential into the world. It changes the trajectory of humanity. And even God would bring salvation into the world using a mother. And at the end of Jesus' life, he would acknowledge how much his mother meant to him. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing there, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. The idea that mothers are responsible to bring life into the world and that life brings more life is a powerful thing. Today, I would like to consider an amazing mother from Scripture. She became a mother to a son in an incredibly difficult time period of life. Motherhood is tough enough at any time, but to have a child during this time would have been incredibly challenging. Some five years prior to the birth of this son, Five years prior, she had a baby girl. I imagine that girl was sweet and playful and considerate. And then two years after the birth of that daughter, she had another baby, a baby boy. He was probably fierce and confident. And then she finds out she's pregnant again with a third child. However... The world had changed since the birth of her last child, and now she was faced with an incredible dilemma. 
her ancestors had moved to this part of the world to flee a famine. The Egyptian pharaoh at the time had been friends with her relatives, but now another pharaoh had come into power and had no knowledge of her family or relatives and was actually threatened by the growing number of people who identified themselves as children of Israel. He was afraid, this Pharaoh was afraid that this group of people, this family would rise up and join another army of an opposing nation and they would overthrow him. So in order to manage the situation, a decree was declared that stated that all males born to these Hebrews should be killed. Specifically, these males were to be thrown into the Nile River. So this young mother named Jochebed, with two small children in tow, is faced now with the reality of a pregnancy during a time of cultural upheaval. If the child is a female, it could live. If the child is a male, she was told she would have to throw it in the Nile River. I can't imagine the mental anguish every day of that pregnancy. Praying to God that it's a girl. This is always a fun conversation, typically with parents. Do you want a boy or a girl? Is it going to be a boy or a girl? We do gender reveal parties. Do you want a girl or boy? Does it matter? Years ago, we were in Newport near downtown. Emma was about six, if I recall. Audrey about four and Ava about one. We had a double stroller for the Audrey and Ava, and we had Emma. She was walking, and as we were getting on the elevator, a man was getting off the elevator, and he quickly assessed that I had three girls, and he just looked at me, and he said, I'm so sorry. Now, my, my brother, my brother has four boys. And he teases me about not having any boys. My only response is, it takes a real man to raise girls. Anyone can raise boys. Just send them on their way. You don't have to do their hair. They don't need to match. They don't even have to zip their zippers. Just send them out into the world. Now, girls, that takes work. There's a lot of drama involved, and it takes a real man to raise girls. But here is Jochebed. I I imagine that she's really praying for a girl, praying maybe that God would have somehow make the decree change, praying to God for something to be different. But here she is, a mother with two kids and a mother-to-be getting ready to have a child in a world that's flipped upside down. I, I thought of those who are pregnant right now in the midst of COVID. It's amazing to read about 
these mothers who have children in the midst of these circumstances right now, some of the amazing things that they have had to endure, some even having the virus, the coronavirus, but there must be a constant thought of the child, even some that I know who are pregnant, the thought is of the child every day. Those may identify with Jochebed. You're constantly thinking about every day what's going to happen to this child if I bring it into this world. During pregnancies, mothers never get away from the thoughts of their children. As a father, you are disconnected from the process. I can remember when Kristen was pregnant with Emma, how excited I was, but I knew I was naive. I, I, I was disconnected from the process. I, I realized how disconnected I was when Emma was actually born. And I held her for the first time. It's then that my heart really connected with her. For a mother, the connection to the child is immediate and ever-present from the moment the revelation of pregnancy is presented. And so Jochebed, raising two small children already, is now faced with the daily reality of fear concerning the baby she is now pregnant with. And when the child is born, her fears are affirmed. The child is a boy. The child is considered cursed by this culture. And as she is handed the child for the first time, I imagine tears flooded her eyes. However, these tears were not tears of joy like she had experienced the first two times. These are tears of sorrow. What should she do? How could she just throw this child into the Nile and discard him so quickly? Look at how precious he is. Look at how beautiful he is. What are we going to do? And so her and her husband, Amram, agree. They are going to keep the child. And so with great courage, they hide the child. They protect the child. Fearless, she says, I will not throw away this child. Until finally, it's impossible to hide. Three months have gone by. The child has grown and was not as easy to manage now. Surely someone would see, someone would find out. And watching someone kill her child would be more than she could bear. Child was louder now. His cries would surely be heard. However, she could not just throw him in the river. But she realizes she can't keep him either. Oh, the agony of this decision. But she faces her fear with strength. She decides that she will build something that will hold this child in the river. Her courage to save him is matched by her diligence and ingenuity. So she builds a basket to carry the child in the river. 
a basket that she would not just put together, but with great detail, she would waterproof the basket so it would float and wouldn't draw in water. And she puts some things in there to comfort the child, to make it soft, and she lays Moses in the basket. She carefully carries him with tears, no doubt, streaming down her cheeks to the edge of the river and lays him amidst the tall reeds, hoping that no one will see. We don't know her plan or her idea behind this act. Maybe she thinks that she could check on him every day. Maybe she hopes that someone would find him. She lays him down. And instead of her arms rocking him, now the gentle water of the Nile begins to rock this baby boy. Moses begins to feel the heat of the day and the loneliness of separation from his mother. He had never been separated very much from his mother the past three months. And now his natural instinct or the craving of his mother's touch kicks in. And he begins to cry. And maybe baby tears stream from his eyes as he cries and he cries, longing for the touch of his mother. I'm sure his mother walked away sorrowful. She walked away leaving him behind there in the reeds. Struggle would just turn her back on that crying child. And as he begins to cry, the daughter of the Pharaoh who made the decree to have all the males killed hears that three-month-old cry, that little cry. She had come to the river to bathe and was overcome at the sound of the child. And her own maternal instinct, however young it was, was greater than her father's decree. And her heart melted as she saw the baby boy nestled and crying against the backdrop of those green reeds. And as she contemplates what to do, Moses' little sister who had been watching anxiously just a few yards away, runs up and offers to find a mother who could care for the child. And no doubt she had been coached by her mother, Jochebed, not to disclose who the real mother was. She had heard the discussions between her parents of the possible options that could arise from the baby being found. And now she stood as an intercessor, to her baby brother, Moses, a man who himself would come to be a great intercessor of God's people. It's hard to imagine the emotions of Jochebed when her little girl, Miriam, came running to her to say that Moses was found by someone who wanted a Hebrew mother to care for him. The elation and the joy would have been extraordinary. Tears of joy bottled up for three months now begin to flow through her eyes and down her cheeks. She can hardly believe, but she gets to hold him again. She knows her time, though, is limited with him, so she begins to plan. 
She is not going to just let this time with him waste by. She intentionally begins to plan about everything that her and Moses will do. She no longer has to hide with him, so she teaches him everything that she can. As the months pass and the years pass, she teaches him about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She teaches him about his own identity. She teaches him that he is set apart. She looks for ways to help him bond to his siblings, Miriam and his brother Aaron. They grow close and they begin to learn and they begin to play. Then Jochebed begins to realize that the agreement made with Pharaoh's daughter is nearing. She had agreed to send the child back to Pharaoh's daughter after the child had been weaned. And again, I'm imagining Jochebed, her heart, as she realizes the time is nearing, her heart begins to grow heavy. Oh, how she wished she could keep him longer. It seems so cruel. The deal doesn't seem as good as it did in the moment at the river when she realized that he would live. But Jochebed does the incredible and decides to trust God with the life of Moses. That just as he spared him at the river, that God is able to protect, grow, and strengthen, and lead Moses in the years ahead. And so with trust in God, she releases Moses. It's hard to quantify how important Moses is to God's story of redemption. Moses would lead the Hebrews, over 600,000 people, out of bondage and oppression. Moses would receive God's law that would serve as the compass and the picture for God's people for hundreds of years, even to this day. Moses would stand in the gap of God's anger and intercede with God to spare the people. Moses would lead God's people to the edge of the promised land, giving them everything they needed to inherit God's promises. Moses was a man whose life outlived him. And at the end of the day, you could say Moses' mother really knew best. If you want something to outlast you, I would suggest today a mother knows best. If you have a desire to do something extraordinary for God, a mother knows best. See, the story of Jochebed was used by a rabbi one time. He was trying to divert his audience and get their attention because they had grown sleepy. And he told the tired audience, there was a woman in Egypt who gave birth to 600,000 children at once. And on being asked who the woman was, 
He said it was Jochebed, whose son Moses saved 600,000 Israelites. Jochebed, you only saved one son. You only helped one baby. You only taught a child till they were just a small child. You only raised a couple kids. No, Jochebed, you knew best. And you saved over 600,000 people. Jochebed, you made it possible for Moses to be used to provide the path not only for 600,000 people to make it out of slavery and oppression, but you made it possible to provide the Savior of the world, to allow the Savior of the world to emerge and save the entire world from their sins. Mother Jochebed, you do know best. You see, you can make A lot of things in life happen different ways. You can shortcut a lot of things. You can do a lot of things to get results. But I submit today, if you really want to do something, not just to have an impact in this life, but to have an impact in the life to come, and you want to do something that outlasts you, then we should take a cue from Moses' mother. And there are four Very clear things that I see in the life of Jochebed that allow us to do things that outlive us. Anything, number one, that will outlive you will take courage. Anything that will outlive you will take courage. Number two, anything that will outlive you will take diligence. Number three, anything that will outlive you will take intentionality. And number four, anything that will outlive you will take trust. Jochebed had courage. She decided to not only birth this child, but to keep the child in the face of great adversity. And you and I will face great obstacles in our life. We will face great challenges in our life But I submit today, don't let fear win in your life. Let God's will prevail in your life. Surrender your heart with courage to a God who loves you. Can I tell you, it takes great courage to repent of your sins. It takes great courage to surrender your heart to the Lord. It takes great courage to be baptized in his saving name. It takes great courage to surrender your heart to him and allow God to fill you with his spirit. But anything that's going to outlast you takes courage. Second thing we realize is Jochebed was... Disciplined and diligent. She built a basket to carry her child. She could have just given up. She could have gotten by with the least amount of effort, saying, I I tried and just laid him on some sticks. But no, she crafted a basket with great effort and diligence. And very rarely, if ever, do great things just happen in life. 
Most things that are lasting are realized because someone was diligent, someone was industrious, and someone was hardworking. You have to take the effort to build it. Jochebed took the effort to build the basket. And I commend those who are reaching for greater things in your life for your family. You're making God a priority. You're building a basket for your family. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes discipline. It takes discipline to sit down and read the Bible with your family. It takes discipline to, to uh, watch the services online together. There's so many other things that could happen, but you're building, you're weaving a basket that is waterproof. It takes diligence to do things that outlast you. It takes intentionality. Jochebed was intentional with her time. She made sure that before Moses was to leave her place, that Moses knew who God was and who he was. And you can live a life haphazardly, and you might have a few good things happen in your life. But things that last, things that happen that last and that stay strong in the midst of adversity happen with intentionality. And I pray that we do not let our days go by just hoping that things work out. And I challenge us as parents, me included, to do everything that we can to do things with intention in our kids' lives. We have a limited amount of time with them in our home and under our influence. And may God help us to live with intention. And finally, Jochebed had trust in God when she was faced with the uncertainty of what was to come. At some point, she realized she had to release Moses. She couldn't hold him forever, but yet she trusted God. And you and I won't be able to control everything in our life. At some point, we have to just trust God that he is able to do what he said he is able to do. Mother knows best. Jochebed teaches us the power of a mother. What does it take to give birth to a dream in your life? What does it take to give birth to your potential? What does it take to give birth to your purpose in life? What does it take to live for God in this world? Jochebed showed us. Mother knows best takes courage, it takes diligence, takes intentionality, and it takes trust. And so when the writer of Hebrews looks at this story, the writer of Hebrews doesn't reflect on this story just from the perspective of Moses, but he said, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Thank you, Jochebed. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than rich, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him 
who is invisible. Why was he not afraid of the king? Thank you, Jochebed, because you weren't afraid of the king. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. Thank you, Jochebed, for your life of faith, because mother knows best. And so today, as I come to a close, I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for your courage. I want to pray that you would have courage to face any adversary that you may be facing. I want to pray for your diligence. That you would be, find discipline in your life. You would find the motivation to take the extra step to do it right. To be right. To be who God called you to be. To live your life with intention. And to trust God with the outcome. May we find the faith of Jochebed and see our lives outlast us and help us to make an eternal difference. Lord, I thank you for every mother in my life, everyone who has brought strength has brought encouragement, has brought nurture, has taught me, has been intentional with me, has been courageous with me, has been diligent in my life, who has trusted God with me. I thank you, God. Thank you, God, for their life. I pray today that you would bless, God, those who are listening today. And may We receive the example of Jochebed as an example for us, Lord, to follow. That God, even in a world that is so chaotic, in a world that doesn't make sense, that seems unfair, Lord, yet you can still work, yet you can still do great things. Lord, I pray for our dear mothers today, those who have small children, I pray you would bless them today. Give them strength today. Let them be encouraged by your word. Let them be encouraged by the example of Jochebed today. That even when they can't see the end, when they can't see if their effort is in vain or not, Lord, you're speaking to them. That as they, God, speak into the lives of their children, as they put their effort into raising their kids, Lord, that you're with them. You're walking with them. And God, you have a purpose and a plan. I pray for those who have yet to respond to your call of salvation. I pray for those, God, today who have yet to really surrender their hearts to you in repentance. I pray you'd give them courage today. I pray, God, for those who have not been baptized in your saving name. I pray something would happen in their hearts where they would say, yes, I'm going to make that step. I'm going to make that step of faith today and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for those, God, who have not surrendered to the power of your spirit. I pray, oh God, that you would allow them, God, to receive your power and your spirit today. God, thank you for the example of this mother who knew best. 
Maybe at the time she didn't feel like she knew best, but when we look at the story of her life, we realize she really knew best. And so, God, we bow our hearts to you. We humble ourselves to you. And we thank you, Lord, for your kindness to us, your love to us. In Jesus' name. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.